Book of Ruth frames for us a beautiful story of love. Not just the love of Ruth for Naomi or the love of Boaz for Ruth, both of which are very true, but the love of a sovereign God who provided not only hope for those in a hopeless situation, but also a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, who through his love and sacrifice brought them to a place of ultimate blessing. The story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz unfolds for us really a bigger story, a story of God's grace, who takes ordinary people who are trapped in a life of despair and hopelessness and aimlessness and brings them providentially face to face with the Redeemer, pays the price of their redemption out of love, a price that they could never afford, and blesses them beyond measure. It is the story of our salvation. It's the ultimate picture of the grace of God that was brought to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. The story begins in the days of the judges, and anybody who's read the book of Judges knows that this was not a pleasant time in the history of Israel. They were in this endless cycle that were filled with circles of failure. Time after time, God had delivered them from the hands of their enemies, only to have Israel once again disregard God's grace and kindness and exercise their stubborn will and plummet back into the consequences of their sin and disobedience. And this is where we begin. The book of Ruth begins in the days of Judges. We, are, we begin our story, we begin our life born into this world in sin and darkness. There was famine in the land in the book of Ruth. Naomi, her husband Elimelech, her two sons, Malon and Chilion, leave their home in Bethlehem in search of a better place in search of a better life, in search of hope and food. And they travel to Moab and they settle there. People all over the globe are doing this, are they not? They are searching for something that will satisfy them in this life. And yet somehow never seem to quite find it. Until God brings them back. The boys marry Moabite women. And just when it seems things might be looking up, Elimelech dies. And then one after the other, over a span of ten years, both of the boys die, leaving Naomi and her two Moabite daughters-in-law with no husband and with no children, without money, without income, without family, and without hope. And without getting detailed, I would say it's safe to say that for an older widow like Naomi, this was really the worst fate that she could have faced in her life. It's the perfect picture of a person who has not experienced the grace of God. There's descriptions all over the scriptures about this. We are born into this world in sin with no hope for the future. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that 
shall he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Isaiah 59 says, Your sins have separated, your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Proverbs tells us that there is a way that seems right, to a man, but the end of those ways are the ways of death. And so Naomi and her family travel to Moab in search of this elusive happiness, only to find more despair, more destruction, more hopelessness, and more aimlessness. And this is why we need Jesus Christ. We are all in the same boat. But out of those ashes, comes a glimmer of hope in the book of Ruth. We need to understand just how dark things are before we can see the light. There are so many people that you've talked to, that I have spoken to, who who don't get it. They don't understand the depth of their sin and what's coming. The consequences of sin is death, folks. There's no goodness at the end of that road. We can live our lives out without Christ, but the end of that road, it's the wide road to destruction. The road to life is narrow, and yet God shows us that road. He lights it right up for us to see. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you have drifted, no matter what you think you have done, God has not abandoned us to destruction. Naomi hears that food has returned to Israel, and knowing that she has family there, decides to return in spite of the shame that she knows that she will face, being without a husband and without children. And so her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, she releases them. And as an older woman, she says, go back, go back to Moab, live your life, find, find another husband and go. I'm returning to my home. And Orpah listened to her voice. She gives her a kiss and she departs. But surprisingly... Ruth stays. This young Moabitess woman decided to pledge herself to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she makes probably the most famous statement in the book, which we just sang, where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. I will follow you. Picture of, of true love. Not just love of a daughter-in-law for her mother-in-law, but the kind of love that God sheds abroad in our heart, the kind of love that God has for mankind. There really was no redeeming quality in Naomi or her circumstances that would have made Ruth choose this. Put yourself in her situation. What would you have chosen? There's no redeeming qualities in us. Why does God choose us? He doesn't need us. We are imperfect, sinful, hateful creatures. And yet God reaches down and loves us before we loved him. Ruth did what she did because of love. 
1 John 4, 8 says, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. 1 John 4, 9 says, By this the love of God is manifest in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Paul says in Romans 8, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that God works all things together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And so in this this story of helplessness and despair and hopelessness, we see a ray of light appear when Ruth pledges herself to Naomi. And that light only grows as we go through the story. For what follows next would be almost unbelievable if you do not understand the providential hand of God. You probably have stories in your own life that you could attest to, where you know in your heart for certain that God has done this. There's no other explanation for it. How could it have worked that way? When you see God answer prayer, when you see him providentially provide for you and the circumstances that you find yourself in, you understand that God is in control. His hand is working through this life. Whether the circumstances seem good or seem evil to us, God is behind them. From the moment that we're born until the moment we die, we are under the watchful and provident hand of God. Think of the story of Ruth. Ruth was an Israelite. Who formed the nation of Israel? God did. There was a famine in the land in Bethlehem. Who caused the famine? God did. Who caused the death of the three men, Elimelech and the two boys? God did. Who brought food back to Israel? God did. And whether we see these circumstances, whether they seem bad to us or they seem good to us, we understand that they are all controlled by the providential hand of God. And probably my favorite part of this book is really a single word. And when they go back to Bethlehem and Ruth goes out into the fields, she happened. She happened to go to the field that belonged to a relative that she had no idea existed. And Boaz just happened to notice her. Nothing happens by accident. You had no control over the time or place of your birth. You have no control over most of what happens in your own life, let alone what happens in the world. And yet if our eyes are open, we can see how and where God has providentially provided for us all along the way. And this was no exception. Ruth didn't just happen into Boaz's field. God led her there. And so he leads us, maybe through famine, maybe through uh, suffering and loss, 
as they were, to come to a place where we will be face-to-face with the person that we need to meet. Everyone here who is saved can testify to this. How did you come into contact with the gospel? How did you meet Jesus Christ? It didn't just happen. There were circumstances in your life and in my life that I had no control over that, that caused the circumstances to be such that I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Who did that? That was God. And as God is leading, you see him lead Naomi, you see him lead Ruth right to the place where she needed to be to meet the right person. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Psalm 103 verse 19. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Daniel 4. Nothing happens by accident. You are not an accident. Your life is not an accident. You're not here in this room by accident. It's all by the design of a loving God who either has brought you or is bringing you to a place where you will meet the Redeemer. Think for a moment about Boaz. He is the picture of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, in this story. Boaz was the right person. He was in the family, and he could exercise the right of the kinsman redeemer. He was the only one qualified to redeem Elimelech's property and save Ruth and Naomi from their life of despair. Now, he wasn't the only family member. There is an unnamed person in the book of Ruth who was actually a closer relative than Boaz was. But unlike the unnamed next of kin, he had the desire and the will to fulfill his responsibility. And so does Christ. Boaz was inclined to do what was necessary to secure their redemption. He noticed Ruth before she noticed him. He took the initiative. He took the first step toward her. He showed kindness to her by letting her glean, not just from the corners of the field, as was the custom, but from... the the middle of the field. He was the one who invited her to sit at her table. And he was the one, after she had lain at his feet during the night, supplied her with measures of grain to take back to Naomi. It was all him. He was the qualified one. He was the one who could do this. And he was willing to overcome the obstacles to completing the redemption. He went to the elders, he found the other only living relative that could have had claim to the property, and offered it to him. He was upright, he was honest, he was truthful in his dealings, and only when that other relative had given up his right did he claim Ruth and buy the property. And think of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. He is the only person qualified to redeem us. There is no other Savior. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but by him. He's the only son of God. He's the only man who lived a life that was without sin. He is the only one who's qualified. He took the initiative and is taking the initiative in your life. He comes to you before you come to him. 
He loved you before you loved him. He showed kindness and mercy to you by humbling himself and becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. 1 Timothy 2 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You know John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his unique son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Philippians chapter 2 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to hold on to or to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Ruth meets the Redeemer, and guess what? In the end, everything turns out right. Blessing flows and follows their life from, from that point forward. It wasn't without incident, but there was true blessing. If you're looking for that elusive true blessing, you will only find it when you meet the Redeemer. And you place your faith and give yourself to him. It's the only way. Naomi was blessed by the birth of a grandchild. Ruth was blessed by gaining a husband and being placed into a family. Boaz was blessed by the comfort of a young wife. We've come from famine to plenty. We've come from death and sorrow to the birth of a newborn We've come from despair to hope for the future. We've come from poverty to ultimate wealth, from insecurity and shame to security and blessing. And think about what God does for us at salvation. It's amazing. The very things that the people of this earth are striving for, God gives to us in Jesus Christ. That happiness, that satisfaction, that, that thing that we are striving to find. The blessing is beyond compare. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are gone and behold, everything has become new. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God We search for compassion and acceptance in this life. God has accepted you in Jesus Christ. That's what we are. Apart from Christ, we're alone. In Christ, we're a part of the family. Apart from Christ, we are condemned and hopeless. In Christ, we are forgiven and given eternal life. In Christ, we have a new future, a new nature. We're blessed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're placed into the body of Christ. We're given a new identity We're given gifts with which to serve, and we're assured of the leading of God. Book of Ruth is a gem because it so wonderfully describes the journey of ordinary people who are born into the world apart from Christ, seek the truth, and introduces us to the true kinsman redeemer who is the only one that can bring us 
from our place of despair to a place of blessing and hope. So at this time, I'm going to step aside, and we're going to move the pulpit down, and we're going to have the blessing of listening to the book of Ruth read to us. Just tell you a little bit about how I came to memorize the book of Ruth. Um, in September of 2012, um, I was attending a uh, ladies' conference where a dear friend of mine has memorized the book of Esther. And so she did the whole conference where she would talk about Esther and then she would perform it. And it, it was excellent. And I remember her telling how she came about to memorize the book of Esther. And she said, so I look in the Bible and there are only two stories that are told from a female point of view. One is Esther and one is Ruth. And I was, I was so drawn to the kings and queen of Esther. And so uh, I decided to memorize the book of Esther. And when she said that, um, she kind of looked in my direction. I don't know if she really did look at me, but she kind of looked in my direction. And I thought she... And I looked back at her and I said, and I'm going to do Ruth. And the lady next to me, who is another good friend of mine, her husband is a pastor at our church. She leaned over to me and she said, Corrine, you know our church is doing the book of Ruth for December, right? And I was like, oh dear, I was just kind of saying that like it's something I wanted to do. But now here was an opportunity for me. So our church did go through the book of Ruth for the month of December in 2012. And um, at the end, I had an opportunity to present it. And God did so much in my heart during that time. Uh, so I, I mentioned to you this ladies' retreat was in September. At the end of September, um, some of you may be aware of this, that my sister's then 15-year-old son was diagnosed with cancer, which later took his life. And uh, it was a journey walking through this passage of Scripture from uh, memorizing it, listening to it, listening to it being exposed from the pulpit at my church, and then walking through this valley, um, God just did a, a huge work in my heart. I, I could identify in some respects with Naomi, where you have no hope. You look at this and go, he's 15, God. Where did this come from? Um, and, and yet, God is still God. He is, he is the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same tomorrow. Um, there's a couple things I want you to, to listen for. First of all, this is actually God's word. I have had people ask me, so is this some sort of uh, presentation that you do? Well, yes, I will be telling it in a, in a dramatic storytelling fashion, but it is from God's word. It is from the NIV. So if you have the NIV, you're more than welcome to follow along. Please don't feel like you have to. Um, but so a few differences will be Chris mentioned uh, the guardian redeemer, um, excuse me, the kinsman redeemer. My version is the guardian redeemer. Um, anyway, I just wanted you to be aware of that, that it is actually God's word. And I, I'm hoping that you will be able to identify with some of these people, that these were real people that went through real things. And we have the benefit of seeing the end result. They did not. Naomi thought that God had left her. And I, I want you to listen for this. My favorite part in the story, one of them, is where Naomi realizes that God has not forgotten her, that he has not stopped keeping his promises to the living and to the dead. And I want you to listen for that. Another thing I want you to listen for is, is God's sovereignty in all of this. Another one of my favorite parts is a little article, the word A, because Ruth goes out and she enters a field. Like in her mind, it's a field, right? It just, I need to go out and, and make some money and earn a living. And so she goes out and enters a field. And she begins to clean. But God says, as it turns out, 
It was the exact field where she needed to be. And I love that moment. So listen for things like that. The other thing I want you to listen for is I love the way that God continually refers to Ruth as the Moabite. As soon as you start really identifying with her and what she is doing and the love that she has for Naomi and the choice uh, that she made to loving God, the God of the Israelites, God continually reminds you that, hey, don't forget she's a Moabite. I, I want you to remember where God brought her from. And I just, that's a beautiful picture that God continually throws that in there. So uh, here we have Book of Ruth from the NIV. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. One named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they'd lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place that she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. <laughs> May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I were to have a husband tonight and then give birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No! My daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. 
But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Now when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, as the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has put misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned to Bethlehem, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law. Arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, let me go to the field and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said, my daughter. So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And just then, Boaz arrived in Bethlehem and greeted his harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Uh, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jugs that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you should notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and homeland came to live with the people you did not know before. 
May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. Though I, I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread. Dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she did, he offered her roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and even had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves, and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles, leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave to her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man that took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man that I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And then she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And then Ruth, the Moabite, said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. One day... Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you or you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash Put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. But don't let him, and then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he goes to lie down, note the place where he is lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth said to her mother-in-law. So she went down and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. 
When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Hmm. Ruth approached quietly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He said. I, I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Lord bless you, my daughter, he said. This kindness, it's greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true I am a guardian redeemer of our family, that there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And tomorrow, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Now lie here till morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it up. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and then placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked her, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. <laughs> then Ruth said to her mother, then, then Naomi said to her mother-in-law, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the people and said, sit here. And they did so. Then Boaz said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will buy it, do so. And if you will not, tell me. 
so I will know, for no one has the right to do so except you, and I am next in line. <laughs> I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, <laughs> on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. Oh, I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the people and the elders, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all of the property, property belonging to Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife. In order to maintain the name of the dead with his property and so that his name will not be forgotten from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman coming into your home like that of Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives to you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he had slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. And the women living there said, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. So Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. So this, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nishan. Nishan, the father of Salman. Salman, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. 